0: Typically, we get the mom that has been to four other places and they know something's not right, but they don't know what exactly that is. They will typically say, I'm having issues with feeding. I'm having issues with weight gain. My doctor recommended us to do X, Y, and Z, but I need help. And so we will do a Zoom call with that mom and get them on the phone with us, talk to them, validate their concerns, listen to what is going on to them and what's their current situation. And then we figure out what the needs are and how we can best serve that mom and baby.
1: Welcome to Difficult Conversations, lessons I learned as an ICU physician with Dr. Anthony Orsini. Dr. Orsini is a practicing physician and president and CEO of the Orsini Web. As a frequent keynote speaker and author, Dr. Orsini has been training healthcare professionals and business leaders how to navigate through the most difficult dialogues. Each week, you will hear inspiring interviews with experts in their field who tell their story and provide practical advice on how to effectively communicate. Whether you are a doctor faced with giving a patient bad news, a business leader who wants to get the most out of his or her team members, or someone who just wants to learn to communicate better, This is the podcast for you.
2: This episode is being sponsored by Veritas. Veritas offers virtual alcohol, drug, and trauma treatment programs exclusively for licensed medical professionals. Their programs provide a concierge level of care consisting of evidence-based clinical treatment and are customized to meet the unique needs and challenges of physicians, dentists, pharmacists, and nurses struggling with substance abuse. Having worked with licensed medical professionals struggling with substance abuse since 1976, Veritas understands how extremely difficult it can be to ask for help because of how severe the stigma is in the medical community around mental health and how real the fear is of a potential repercussions from colleagues if found out. Their virtual confidential platform provides the safety and security medical professionals need to get help while continuing to work confidential, convenient, and compassionate, Veritas brings world-class treatment to your home or office. To learn more about Veritas, you can visit www.veritassolutions.com. Well, welcome to another episode of Difficult Conversations, Lessons I Learned as an ICU Physician. My name is Dr. Anthony Orsini, and I will be your host again this week. Are you a parent, perhaps a first-time mother or father? Maybe you have a baby with special needs or just have questions about how your baby's developing, or maybe you need help breastfeeding, or perhaps you have a new baby and can't find the owner's manual. Wouldn't it be great if you had someone to call who not only has the expertise to help, but knows what it's like to be a mother with all of the concerns and worries that come with having a baby? If that description fits you or someone that you know, trust me, you are not going to want to miss this episode. Today I have with me, Kristen Horwath and Jennifer Ainsworth. Kristen and Jennifer are amazingly talented pediatric and newborn physical and occupational therapists with over 25 years of combined experience caring for newborns and infants. They are neonatal and pediatric therapists, and as they say, mamas also who have a passion for wanting to help moms and babies thrive. So after working together at one of the top children's hospitals in the country, they teamed up with Adrian Alexander, another amazing pediatric physical therapist and started Milestone Specialists of America, which is a baby resource development, coaching, and therapeutic concierge service for moms and their babies. Before leaving the start Milestone, I had the pleasure and honor to work with both Kristen and Jennifer for more than six years. They are top-notch pediatric and newborn specialists, but more than that, they bring with them the understanding that healthcare is about that human-to-human interaction that I speak about every single week on this podcast. In short, today we have with us the dream team of infant and pediatric physical and occupational therapy. Well, welcome Jennifer and welcome Kristen. It is a real honor to see you again. I've missed working with you, but I know that you're doing such amazing and exciting things.
0: Thank you for having
2: us. So this is a first I'm doing my first podcast with everybody in the same room, so we'll see how that works out. It's so much better because, you know, I'm a big body language person, and this is really great to get the vibe, and we're all friends, so this should be a lot of fun. Thanks again. This is going to be awesome. Annie Alexander couldn't be here today. She's the other partner for Milestone, but we're going to have a really great time. When I do my workshops and I talk about the healthcare provider-patient relationship or the business leader-employee relationship word that keeps coming up over and over again is relationship and trusting relationship and the best way to form a trusting relationship is to find commonality and to be a genuine person i think that's really important when we discuss how doctors can form relationships very quickly and so i know you guys i know how good you are i know all about you but before we start i think maybe we'll just take a few minutes for each of you to take some time tell us about your journey how you got here, and then we'll jump in and talk about milestone and all the awesome things that you do at Milestone. So who wants to go first?
3: I'm Jen Ainsworth, and I'm an occupational therapist and a feeding specialist and one of the co-founders. How I got to occupational therapy. i bachelors is actually in elementary education. And I really loved children a lot and wanted to be a teacher forever, and then graduated and was ready to get of job. And my dad said, you need to go to grad school. And I was trying to explain to him why that wasn't possible. And he said, you need to go to grad school. So this was a long time ago because I didn't need any hours or anything. So within two weeks, I found myself sitting in my master of occupational therapy program because it was a place where kids who needed extra help at school could get some extra help. And I'm forever grateful for that because I don't think I would have loved teaching twenty years later, and I truly love being a therapist and working with little people and I just love it
2: so usually there's something in our past you know I always say we are where we came from, and if you've read my book, you start off with the story of me having epilepsy when I was a child, and I think that had a lot to do with me being exposed to medicine and what was right and what was wrong about medicine so This might be a tough question putting you on the spot. So what do you think in your past that made you get drawn towards occupational therapy, but more pediatric than newborn?
3: Kristen might even, this will be news to her, but I actually had five, six maybe surgeries in middle school and high school. And I was in physical therapy frequently because a lot of them were orthopedic in nature and I thought physical therapy was so boring. So I didn't want to go into that <laughs> and went into occupational therapies. I appreciated the sensory components as a sensory child myself. I felt like I could
2: relate to that a little bit more. That makes sense. All right, Kristen, you're up. So who is Kristen? How did she get here? And why did you choose to go into physical therapy?
0: So I went into physical therapy because Jen, I had injuries growing up. I was a competitive cheerleader and through my injuries, I was introduced to the career of physical therapy. And I was always athletic and wanting to be involved in sports. And I liked seeing change and helping people get back to what they love to do. And as a physical therapist, that's what you do, you get people back to what they love doing. And so I went into my doctorate of physical therapy with the notion in mind that I would be in orthopedic sports medicine PT. And then I had my internships and I was in orthopedics and I just found that I ended up being drawn towards pediatrics because I felt Peds and working with their families. You never knew what that baby or child would bring that day. So there was some sort of spontaneity and I had to be flexible and I liked the change and I could still make an impact on that baby's life. And a lot of times it's just bringing the knowledge and education to the families that I just found a passion for. And you set that baby and family up for change from the beginning, and it can last through a lifetime.
2: I always tell my patients that the best thing you can do is stay in physical therapy, and so it's interesting that you say you want to do orthopedics, because when I entered medical school, that's what I wanted to do, too. I was all excited. I was an athlete in high school. I wanted to become an orthopedic surgeon and do ACL repairs and all that, and I signed up my third-year clinical, and I said, first thing I signed up for was orthopedic surgery elective, and I go into my first operating room and... The orthopedic surgeon has a mallet and a chisel and a drill. (laughs) And and I I remember thinking to myself, uh, if I wanted to be a carpenter, uh, I would have gone to medical school and got $200,000 in debt. But no offense to the orthopedic surgeons out there, but I always felt more close to the babies and, and I really wanted that more human side of medicine and treat the person who's awake. So it's interesting that you said that. So let's move on. So we worked together for probably six years, I think. I was, I've was i been there about six years. You guys were really awesome and were my go-to people when I needed OTPT for my little babies. I've personally learned a lot from you guys. So you're working at one of the best pediatric hospitals in the country, and yet you decide to take this leap of faith to uh, start Milestone. So what made you say I I want to go out and do it was it something that you wanted to do more of what drew you to say I got to do this in four milestone
3: a little side note I have four little guys and I like to say my youngest is 19 months so I technically made it through at least the infant years with all my four kids and have experienced a lot of different things as a mom having four different children and my journey as a first time second time third and fourth time mom so I feel like after my years in pediatrics, my years in neonatology, and then as a mom, Kristen and I were just always going back and forth. I would have friends ask me, can you look at my kid crawl? Can you look at my kid's feet? And I would send Kristen a picture and she'd respond or you know, vice versa. What about my kid's feeding? What bottles do I buy? And we would always send each other text messages like, we're just throwing money away all the time. And then I had a friend of a friend at my house probably for three hours on a Saturday and looked at her baby and FaceTime Kristen and she did infant massage over video chat. And we were just like, there are moms out there that need a resource that is reliable and invested and truly cares. And we started doing some market reviews and just found that there weren't that many out there. For a baby that needs outpatient therapy, there's a plethora of resources. But not just the mom that needs a little extra, has some questions, feels like something's not right, or doesn't know what to do next with the whatever her baby is doing.
2: Well, you say, I think it's on your website, or on your Facebook page, you say we're not only therapists, but we're mamas. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how important is that, you think? I'm sure you could be a good physical therapist. I guess there's a certain familiarity with the mom who can't get her baby to feed at 3 a.m. and is crying because she wants to go to sleep.
3: I think that motherhood changes you. There's no doubt about that. We actually had a group of new moms last week and a few of them were nurses and the one says, I'm never going to be the same nurse. And we laughed because we feel like that too, of course. It just allows you to know, Kristen talked about this a lot, that Every advertisement, every marketing, it's always this mom that is just so peaceful and feeding her baby and her makeup's done and her hair is done. <laughs> and, you know, breast or bottle feeding is going beautifully or they're playing and everyone's laughing on the clean play mat with no toys anywhere else in the room. The whole house is clean. And that's just not it ever. That's never how it looks ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. My wife was working when we had our first child. I was a neonatal fellow, And I was able to do some research at home for a couple months. We lost our daycare. And so I took care of my firstborn at home for a couple months. And she would come home at 3.30 from school teaching and the eggs were still on the dishes (laughs) and the counters were still full and there's crap everywhere. And she says, what has been going on in here? I'm trying, but and then you don't sleep. And so when they finally go to sleep, then you sleep. But it's real important, I think, that you can also relate. Kristen, what's the typical client that calls Milestone that you have? Jen mentioned that sometimes they're just moms who are concerned, but I'm sure there are also some moms who have some real legitimate concerns. Mm -hmm.
0: Typically, we get the mom that has been to four other places and they know something's not right, but they don't know what, Exactly that is. They will typically say, I'm having issues with feeding. I'm having issues with weight gain. My doctor recommended us to do X, Y, and Z, but I need help. And so we will do a Zoom call with that mom and get them on the phone with us, talk to them, validate their concerns, listen to what is going on to them and what's their current situation And then we figure out what the needs are and how we can best serve that mom and baby.
2: So they're typically moms who babies have legitimate problems and they just can't seem to get help. Or do you also get a mom that just is crying, I I can't get this baby to breastfeed? Yeah. Well, you say it's more babies with real serious problems.
0: I would say a mixture. There are those moms that have a baby that maybe doesn't have a medical diagnosis yet and we can help direct them into whatever appointment they may need to get to see a specialist we know who to call we know the specialist in the area and working at the hospital so we know the direction to send them so that way they can regardless of the diagnosis we're going to treat the baby their symptoms give that parent tools and education but in order to get some services they sometimes require a diagnosis so we will help in that regard if there's something definitely medically wrong. But we also get that call from the mom that is just struggling getting her newborn colicky, fussy, irritable baby and isn't sleeping, isn't eating great, is not doing tummy time, not doing all the developmental play activities because that baby is just having a hard time adjusting. We call it the the fourth trimester. So,
2: I like that. That
0: first 12 weeks, it's mom is trying to adjust to being a new mom and getting to know her body and the hormonal changes, but also she's getting to know the baby and the baby's getting to know the world and adjusting
2: to life outside the womb. There's probably a whole bunch of moms out there going, That's me right now. I need some help. So, what are the exact services for people out there who are really interested right now? What are the exact services that Milestone offers?
0: We have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. We have a postpartum doula who can help walk alongside the mom and the baby with lactation needs and just adjusting to life as a new mom. We have a lactation consultant, and our OT is also a feeding specialist. So depending on the experience of the OT, we also have that. We have a neonatal pediatric registered dietitian that also used to work in the NICU, and we have an allergy advocate mom who has walked in the shoes with her own daughter having severe allergies, seven out of the eight common allergies.
2: That covers just about everything. I think that's just awesome. Did I hear you say some clients come from Europe and they even contact you from out of the country?
0: We have had a couple out of the country. One was in Guatemala Wow. and the other one was in Brazil. So we were able to help now with COVID times, we've been able to reach these moms and give them tools to make them confident in their decisions from afar and not being able to see them in person, but giving them the education and tools to do what they can do with their baby.
2: When I have these difficult conversations with parents in the NICU, perhaps we know that the baby's gonna have developmental delays or has some real challenges. One of the things that I like to say to the parents is that your baby's fortunate because they have two loving parents who are going to do the exercises that the physical therapist and the occupational therapist has. And not all babies have that. I think to me, and I like your opinion on this, the most important thing for a mother or a father, because we always forget about the fathers, is that they want to do something right, even in the worst sort of circumstances. So how important is it that You do a lot of education, I assume, that they can do at home because you can't see the baby every day. So how important is, and and do you lay out instructions for them? How important are those home exercises?
0: For me, I always tell the moms and the dads, like, give them a role, something for them to do. And a lot of the dads, even in the NICU, they would love to do the exercises. And then so that would give the dad a purpose to do something with their baby while mom would do feeding.
3: Yeah, I think the first thing, though, is even, I think we've both dealt, all three of us, with an array of situations with all different complexities and a variety of developmental delays. And you always want to give mom and dad, no matter what is going on in the situation, something that they are doing right and something they can do that will benefit their baby. Because any parent is, of course, going to want to help their baby. And I think that's great. And people would often ask, how do you do what you do? I don't have to bring very much bad news. I can always give the moms, this is what you are able to do and give the positive component of it. Even in the worst of maybe a palliative situation, there's always something positive and give them a memorable experience of ways they can interact with their child. Because we all have an idea of how parenthood is going to go. You make a choice to get pregnant or not. And then you have an idea of how your experience through birth and into parenthood is going to go. And sometimes your experiences don't go as you thought they were going to go. And at the end of the day, parents just want to do something for their child. And
2: as you know, I'm a big person on body language and nonverbal language. And when I say that to a parent, this baby's lucky because they have you and that, these are the exercises that the physical therapist, the occupational therapist are going to give you. And I know that you're going to do them because you're a loving parent. If you know how to read a face, you could just see both of you looking at me nodding your head right now. They light up. They just they want so much to do, even if they know the baby is going to have big challenges. But the fact that they might be able to minimize that challenge just by a little bit by doing the exercises. So I would imagine you guys write out a whole list of stuff for them to do and they can follow the plan.
3: Yes. And the other thing is, we're very big. So you asked earlier about being moms ourselves. My first little guy had mild torticollis, which required, I was told to do these stretches four times a day. I had one child. It was very overwhelming, and I didn't get it done. And I remember thinking, wow, all these moms, all these years that I thought, why can't they just do this with their babies? (laughs) And here I was with good resources and... A professional myself, this was my field and I still couldn't get it done with one baby and there are times that I just, I want to prioritize for the mom and we make an effort to do that. We don't want to give you a big list to do. We want it to fit into your daily schedule. So whether we just say after a diaper change interact for two to three minutes it needs to fit into your schedule in order for a parent not to feel worse and like you're giving them a to-do list they can't accomplish. And the other thing is we have the option to just be more available to the parent if they choose that. And when they get home later, Kristen, this is her line. You always forget what you wanted to ask on your way home. So just text us and we'll walk you back through it. Or I do a lot of feeding. So I want to know how dinner went and make adjustments for tomorrow night's meal. I don't want to wait till next week's appointment. I want to know how the next bottle went. There was a situation where A mom called us. We had met with her a few times and she called and said, I'm having trouble with this. The baby was sleeping. I said, feed him, made some recommendations, do this after nap. Call me when you're done with that. She called me. I was like, let's make these fewer, more tweaks for bedtime. And she called me after bedtime. She called me. She's like, great. Everything worked. I'm like, try that for the next two days. If you have more problems, call. And it was like, parents are so busy, especially with newborns. They need things that are convenient and that are able to give them realistic ways that they can fix some of the just moment-to-moment concerns that they're having.
2: The wonderful thing is it's really concierge service. You guys are available 24-7. In my book, I talk about one of the principles of patient satisfaction is be the friend in the business. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what you're doing is you're the friend of the business. The fact that they're texting you after dinner, that's just great. The other comment that you made that I think is really important is about the guilt of you were supposed to do it four times a day and you couldn't do it four times a day. And I think that sometimes as medical professionals, we do forget that. And then the guilt follows a great example is breastfeeding, right? So you tell a mother that if she doesn't breastfeed 24 seven, and if her baby ever touches a bottle or her baby takes one drop of formula, they're not going to Harvard. And so all of a sudden There are parents who can't breastfeed. We're big breastfeeding advocates everywhere, all of us. But if a mother has to give a bottle of formula because she can't seem to produce enough, we don't realize. And there's good data on that. There's good data on baby friendly about the mothers who have shown depression because they can't do that. So I think that's really a good point.
0: Yeah, I was that mom that couldn't exclusively breastfeed. So I relate to those moms that are struggling and With all three of mine, I just had that expectation that it was okay. And I gave myself that, that, okay, you're going to be fine. And baby's going to be fine. And I make the comparison all the time with Jen and I, she's on one end, she's the exclusive breastfeeder and I was the supplementer formula mom. So we offer that support to moms, both ends of the spectrum and how it can all work out in the end, and I have three girls, and all my three girls are functioning just fine, and so
2: are her boys. And they all love you. Yes, and they so all they love hate me. you because they had a bottle. And
3: nobody exactly. knew who if when they're all together playing, nobody knows who was breastfed or who was bottle fed.
2: Nobody knows. We walk this fine line in medicine. About twenty five percent of you out there are not even in medicine, but just so you know, we walk this fine line in pediatrics of really wanting to encourage breastfeeding but you can cross that line and make that mother who can't breastfeed feel like a really total failure. And so it is a tough line to encourage, but I find it sometimes hard to find that line. Like I really think it'd be great for your baby, but if you don't want to, it's okay. So it's tough. And I love what Jen said is you can only do what you can do. I think that's really great. And to have you guys there when that mother's feeling guilty or is having struggling is really important. Let's move on to COVID because you mentioned it. I think, Kristen, at the Orsiniway, I've had to really pivot during COVID because most of the teaching that I do is workshop related. I love to stand in front of a crowd and I like to see the faces and we do some interaction that became really impossible during COVID. And so it's actually worked out for us because it's forced me to start doing some learning modules. I do a lot more teaching remotely. You went full time in the middle of COVID. Some people would say that's crazy, but how's that worked out? Are you able to navigate through it?
0: We're always up for a challenge.
2: <laughs> <right>?
0: <laughs> I always joke that I learn things the hard way. Yes. But honestly, during this time, we've found that there are so many more moms that are struggling more right now because they can't find the resources or they can't make that easy doctor's appointment that they used to before and now that offices are opening up more there's a longer waiting time and we can get on the phone or get to that mom sooner we can see or talk to her that day sometimes Hmm. and see the baby the next day so that's our biggest goal is to help that mom as soon as
2: possible but you do infant massage and you teach it but you also would like to do it. Are you still going to houses with masks or are you waiting until after COVID's over? Are they coming to you? How's that work?
0: We primarily see the babies and the moms in the clinic with masks and all the precautions. However, there are certain instances where we will go to the home, especially if it's a mom that doesn't feel comfortable bringing their newborn out, but our clinic is Accommodated to have one family in the office at a time. So it's more isolated and we can work with that mom just with our team.
2: And I know it's safe and you clean it and everybody wears masks. I know there's still this COVID hysteria out there. Hopefully the vaccinations will come and we can get back to normal here. So yeah, I think COVID has forced us to be more creative, but in some ways it's good. And I've done some pieces on telehealth medicine, which is not going away. Everybody loves telehealth medicine now. It is really hard to form a relationship over Zoom, but it can be done if you use the right techniques. So the title of this podcast is Difficult Conversations. And I make a promise to my audience to inspire and to learn some communication techniques. And so I usually talk about at the end of each podcast, the most difficult type of conversation that you have had it could be your private it could be your personal it could be a specific conversation that you remember that was very difficult or just the type of conversation so i'll take one at a time tell me about the most typical type of conversation that you have and how you navigate through that conversation and give us some advice on what to say and and how you approach that
3: In the hospital, I mean, I think the most difficult is a palliative situation. It's just the most difficult. And I think that everybody constantly thinks they need to say something when it's the opposite. You actually need to be quiet and just listen. So you don't have to be equipped. Dr. Orsini clearly offers some excellent communication tips, and you should listen to them all. But you don't need to have a script, you really just need to listen and allow someone to speak. They want to feel in the situation, and I even think not a palliative situation, a significant developmental delay, or is my child ever going to walk, are they ever going to talk? And in reality, we don't have direct answers to that ever. Nobody does, even a physician. We can suggest things through scans, but we don't really know the extent. And communication, for example, has an array. It's not just verbal. It's actually a lot of it's nonverbal. So I think always sitting down and getting on eye level with the mom and allowing her to speak and present her concerns and where her baby's at. So the most difficult is in a palliative situation, stating, I don't understand because I haven't walked in your shoes because that is another thing. I know where you're coming from. I haven't personally lost a child. I don't know where you're coming from and validating. I cannot imagine how hard this is. And then uh, giving her adequate time for dad to speak and then just providing support. So I always, as a therapist, am able to give how they can touch their baby and hold their baby You can always at any level sing and read to a child and hold at all, I think, stages. And so there is always something that can be offered. And I really think that that's honestly the extent of the conversation. Give them a few things to do so they feel useful in the situation.
2: And I talk about the three goals of having difficult conversations. One is that you come off as being compassionate, that they really feel that compassion from you. And it's great what you said, sitting there silently is sometimes the most important way to show that. Two is to be the expert in the room and to let them know that you're going to give them some advice on how to get through this, even though, as you said, you can't relate to it. You don't really understand, but you're the expert in the room. And three, that you're not going to leave that. Those are the, the three things. Kristen, so, I would think, and I know this personally, is that we have babies in the NICU. We have babies who've gone home that had no, maybe did perfectly normally at birth. The mom calls you. I'm worried my child's not rolling over. My child's not sitting up. The pediatrician wants me to go to a neurologist. But as we see, there's a lot of denial. I don't think there's anything wrong with my baby. So I want you to come and evaluate And you find this baby who's very delayed, maybe hypotonic or whatever. And I always say when you break bad news, the patient's job is to prove you wrong. My advice to doctors out there is provide the evidence first of your bad news and then give the bad news. And so you're put in a situation, I'm sure, where the mom and dad and tell me if I'm wrong are saying, my doctor thinks there's something wrong, so please tell me there's not but then you say you find there is. So how do you approach that conversation? That's got to be really hard.
0: Yes. So we have those situations where Jen and I will be like, something's not right. And the mom, like you said, is either in denial or hasn't been told exactly what's going on. So in that situation, we always... Make sure that we let them know that we're on their side to support them, not to, I mean, any mom isn't going to or any parent isn't going to want to be told that something's wrong with their child. So dealing with that fragile situation, just going and making sure that they know that you're on their side and supporting them regardless of what's going on and telling them we're here to help hold your hand along the way. Whatever's going on, we're going to do whatever we can to facilitate typical development in your baby. This is what your baby is doing rather than focusing on what the baby's not doing. And we always tell the parents that development is, it's a forward progression. So that's what we want to see going in the right direction. So it doesn't matter necessarily when they're going to do it. We just want them to get there and we're going to help get them there whether it takes us two months, three months.
2: It puts you on the spot though, right? Because they say, tell me the doctor's wrong. And then what do you say when they say that? It's say, well, I have concerns. How do you have that? I mean, there's someone out there that says, I need to know what to say to that question.
0: We don't have the glass ball to say when or what this is going to look like in a year. But we treat what we see and we're going to do what we can now. And if something is wrong, it doesn't mean that something's going to necessarily get worse all the time. But we had a mom in the NICU that had a kiddo that had, there just wasn't something right. And we didn't know the diagnosis at the time, but we made sure that that mom could, we were working with the baby, but could also confide in us and help work through what she was going through, dealing with, situation of accepting what's going on with the baby knowing something's not right even though we don't know exactly the diagnosis or the prognosis she knew that when we were there we were doing everything we could for that baby and doing what the baby could do and capitalizing on that and giving mom some things that she could
3: do to help her baby even though things were not right I think the word hope comes to mind because we want to state what they're doing and then give the next developmental thing that we would work towards. And it just gives not false hope, realistic hope. And here's how we're going to get there.
0: Yeah. And even our kiddo that we had was making very slow progress. And so sometimes it could seem like to other people we weren't doing much we were helping maintain that baby's status and preventing that baby from regressing. So at that point, it becomes, we have to maintain where that baby's at rather than just having the the baby get worse.
2: And this podcast episode has come full circle back to what we had spoken about originally, that this is about trust and relationship building and being a genuine person we've been doing this podcast every week now for probably about seven or eight months. And I think almost every week, those three words keep coming back, trust relationships, being commonality, genuine. And at that particular moment, when you're discussing this with the mother and having this very difficult conversation, if, if she doesn't find any commonality with you, she hasn't formed a relationship with you. And I always say you can form a relationship in 56 seconds. This has been studied. If she doesn't feel that you're the expert in the room and that you're compassionate, you're dead in the water. So she's just going to say, Jen, you're 100% wrong. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm going to go find somebody else. Or she's going to listen to you, feel your compassion and say, OK, I trust you and let's move on and how we can help our baby. And I think this concierge style that if you don't mind me using that word or this relationship we is use it. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> This style really forms and helps those relationships with these parents. And you're offering a service to people that I think from, again, from someone who just doesn't know how to be a mother. I mean, these babies don't come with owner's manuals. And sometimes we have moms, grandmoms and granddads that could help us. And some people don't have that. And then sometimes grandmoms gives us really bad advice. Put your baby on their stomach when they're sleeping. Don't do that. So what you're offering, I think is great. I think it's something that's building and you're already showing some great success. It's really great. Everybody out there, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? I know you're, you have a great Facebook page. So tell us about that. Your social media is awesome. But I'll put this in the notes so you don't have to write it down. But what's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys? And again, you could be in Europe. And this podcast actually... I have no idea why this podcast is number seven in Spain in health. (laughs) It's in English, but in Spain, but we were in top 100 in the United States for a little while. So if you're out there in Europe listening, how can they get in touch with you anywhere?
0: So our website is www.milestonespecialists.com. And on there, we have a contact page and you can fill in the information and it will send us a message with your contact info. Also, we are on Instagram, Milestone Specialist and Facebook as well. And you can search us as Milestone Specialist of America.
3: We just want to allow moms to know that they're doing the best for their baby, help you understand the why so you can enjoy the moments because they pass so quickly.
2: You're right. I just came Mm -hmm. along one of those Facebook things, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, my son was playing football. One of my favorite sayings is the days go very slowly, but the years fly by. So enjoy your babies. And these ladies here are here to help you. If you like this podcast, please go ahead and hit subscribe and go download all the previous podcasts. If you need to get in touch with me, you can do that through the I'll put all of the milestone specialist contact information on our show notes. And thank you again. And please spread the word and contact me or Milestone people at any time. So thank you, everybody. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Veritas. Veritas offers virtual alcohol, drug, and trauma treatment programs exclusively for licensed medical professionals. Their programs provide a concierge level of care consisting of evidence-based clinical treatment and are customized to meet the unique needs and challenges of physicians, physicians, dentists, pharmacists, and nurses struggling with substance abuse. The virtual confidential platform provides the safety and security medical professionals need to get help while continuing to work. Confidential, convenient, and compassionate, Veritas brings world-class treatment to your home or office. Contact Veritas for help at VeritasSolutions.com.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment and review. To contact Dr. Orsini and his team or to suggest guests for future podcasts, visit us at theorsiniway.com.